0: And welcome to another episode of the Frog Pod Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Flanagan, alongside my co-host, Mr. Alan Taylor. Um, I'm going to be very honest with everybody. We didn't do a show last week because the Frogs were on a bye. Uh, It's a good thing the Frogs were on a bye because, frankly, it it couldn't make my weekend any worse. Uh, The Frogs got dismantled in the last game versus Kansas State. The Frogs lost 41-3 to in Manhattan. Alan, it was – there's been a lot of losses this year, Colorado – Iowa State, West Virginia, but none of them hurt like the one against Kansas State, because for once, it wasn't a, oh, TCU was so close, and they just cost themselves this. From the jump, Alan, it seemed like this team didn't want to be there. It seemed like that, you know, they weren't even trying to really win, especially on the defensive side of the ball, and now the Frogs sit at five hundred going into a night game in Lubbock uh, that, frankly... I don't want to say it makes or break your season because at this point, what makes your season, but you know, it's a critical game. The game that could send the frogs under 500 going in November.
1: Yeah. I mean uh spooky season has definitely been plenty spooky for frogs fans this year. When you talk about a couple of weeks ago dealing with 343 rushing yards against a TCU defense, which I don't know if we've ever seen before happening when in our trip to Manhattan, when we, got completely dismantled and lost by 38 points. And now, you know, it only gets easier. You make a night game trip to Lubbock, Texas, where, you know, the Frogs have had success, haven't lost a game there since 2013. But at the same time, Tech at Night is a tough place to play. This game was billed as one of the premier contests in the Big 12 going into this season. Now it's a battle of teams really fighting to be 500 and try to find their way into bowl eligibility as we move into November.
0: This, Like you said, this is a marquee matchup. TCU and Texas Tech were two teams that were picked as dark horse, especially Texas Tech, to compete for the Big 12 championship. Neither one of them really has a realistic path. I mean, I know about the mathematics, but the odds of both those teams even making it to Arlington are less than 1%, Alan. And, you know, if I would have told you back in August that the night of the first CFP rankings were released, That neither TCU or Texas Tech were in those rankings. I believe that you would have said I was crazy because many in the whole entire college football sphere, from even Paul Feinbaum down to your just average Joe, were convinced that either Texas Tech or TCU would be competitor. And now you're standing here in this matchup, which, you know, was not going to do the ratings that the Bay 12 thought it would have. But Alan, this game is still big for both programs because no one wants to go into November under 500, and both of these coaches need a very big win against an in-state rival badly. TCU's last four games, we knew they were going to be tough, but now that we're 500, these last four games are so big because you have three straight rivalry games, and then you have an OU team's could be at. Ho- it seems like we'll be competing for a spot in the college football playoffs. So this is a huge game for Sonny Dykes and the frogs, in a game that they have to win almost.
1: Yeah, I mean, in the terms of Will Velvin, the big fan of the podcast, he talks a lot about must-win versus can't-lose. This is a rare must-win and can't-lose spot. When you talk about what this means also for recruiting, we compete constantly against Texas Tech for recruits. And while we do go after a different type of you know personality when we recruit guys compared to them, we are in the same living rooms with most of those kids. And this is a game that these guys look at when they talk about where the futures are headed for each of the programs. ECU is struggling. But the one thing about TCU is TCU is owning up to their struggles. Sunny Dykes has mentioned constantly that there are a lot of things going on with this program that he really doesn't want happening at all. Whether it be the laughing on the sidelines against Kansas State, not really being able to fight back to, against adversity, to seemingly the constant failures of our offense to really execute in the red zone. We realize the things that we need to fix to be able to turn this boat around, even if it's just trying to get ourselves to a bowl game at the end of this month.
0: Exactly. And, you know, if you're, TC, if you're a TCU fan and you're looking at this schedule, you're like, okay, we're four and four. You beat Tech and Baylor. Those are two rivalry wins. Then you lose Texas and OU, which are games that the average TCU fan are likely going to chalk up as losses before the season, anyway. So in reality, a two and two here is, is a win for you, both from a morale standpoint and then just to get to a bowl game. But Alan, regardless of how the season ends, unless it miraculously. TC ends up going back to Arlington in the most unpredictable way, even more unpredictable than last year's whole entire season together. There, there needs to be changes made here. And we're going to get into those changes at a later date, because I believe that the way the season's going, we will have those conversations. But it, how do you fix this team right now just to be like, okay, let's just go 500 the rest of the season and make a bowl game. And then hopefully in that bowl game, something happens. You can finish season above 500.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the key to me is
0: it's, A, you need your guys to be able to physically start
1: imposing their will on teams similar to they were last year. We need to talk about Kaz Kazadi and his emphasis on, you know, having that mindset and ability that we, frankly, need to find and figure out a way to get that back implemented into our game plans. That's number one for me. And number two is offensively. It's just, as I said earlier, it's finding ways to score. Scoring's the name of the game. Offense are trying to score. Defense are trying to keep them from scoring. You just got to find ways to be able to execute both of those things if you're going to try to be able to be competitive these last four.
0: So specifically talk about this game on Thursday. As we record this Tuesday night, we're uh, less than 48 hours away from kickoff. Uh, This tech team, like we discussed, has not had the season they wanted to either. Propped up all off seasons, the dark horse team. And it seems the wheels have fallen off for joy McGuire and the red Raiders. Uh, This is a game that we thought would be a truly hostile environment. And it still will be, it's still the West Texas championship, you know, tech still hates us, but tickets, like you said, Alan, in the, in the pre-meeting, they're $5 to get in $5 to get into this game. Uh, You know, that unheard of price tag for what many thought was going to be a marquee matchup. When you look at tech as a team, uh, what, what do you see? Uh, I
1: do see a team, and it's important to note this, that's getting a quarterback back. Baron Morton, who's been out the last couple of games, is going to be fully healthy. And Joey McGuire says he's no longer sad. He is able to now play in this game, which is going to change the elements of things because Tech previously had been running out there with Jake Strong, a freshman quarterback who hadn't found much success. Morton's the guy that can sling it. He's a West Texas guy. He's the type of guy that we're very normal and used to seeing at you know Texas Tech University out in Amarillo. But besides that point, I think it's important to note that this isn't Patrick Mahomes. This guy's not going to be a world beater. He's just a guy that, you know, you need to be able to find ways to put in uncomfortable situations and try to turn them over. Because at the end of the day, if you're able to turn them over, I'm going to feel really confident about our chances. The one other thing to note about Texas Tech is they are very, very willing to go for it on fourth down they go for it on fourth down more than just about anybody, and they're converting it right now about two-thirds of the time. So I think it's very important for our defense to be able to, you know, get them in third and long situations and continue to push them into fourth and long situations after that, or else our defense is going to have to be on the field for a majority of this game.
0: Yeah, the the defense are on the field for a majority of the game against K-State. I I don't know that the official time possessions haven't really wanted to look at the box score, but, you know, uh, this is a game where you truly find out who you can count on the rest of the season and going into next year because the Texas game, everyone's gonna get up for it. We don't get up for the Texas game the last time UT will be visiting Fort Worth, that's a whole other thing. But this, you're gonna find out exactly what kind of players you have after you know what happened in Manhattan. This tech team is so weirdly built to me, Alan. You know their defense is. It's not good, but like the rush, rush defense is slightly above average. They allow a lot of explosive plays. This is a game where I truly feel like Kendall Bryles needs to show, you know, okay, I, I anyone who's doubting me, don't. Like this is this is a game where I feel like Kendall Bryles will mean more than Joe Gillespie in the long term of things. Because I do think it's going to be a shootout. We'll get to our pictures in a second. But this is a game where I need to see Kendall Bryles kind of at least show us that he is he's on the right path as an offensive coordinator and that Josh he has Josh Hoover on the path to be a successful quarterback going forward?
1: Yeah, 100%. When you talk about Josh Hoover specifically, these next four games are going to define his career. In my eyes, Josh Hoover is basically has a four-game stretch here that's going to determine whether or not we're going to be in the transfer portal market. We might be regardless, but whether or not he can really push our hand to saying, you know what, I've proven to you I can be the guy. And he has a chance right now. And that starts on Thursday night. It starts on Thursday night with Kendall Brasley from the offense. Sonny Dykes going back home to his alma mater. Needless to say, Sonny Dykes is a Texas Tech alum, the greatest Texas Tech alum, if I do say so myself. But at the same time, Josh Hoover, he's got to play. He's got guys with him. Tech, they give up a lot of yards on the ground. And frankly, in the air, move the ball, find ways to score,
0: do your job. Josh Hoover, you're the guy. Okay, so we get into the predictions for this game, Alan. Um, I'll start off first. I feel like you go first off a lot, and we got to switch the vibe some way. We might as well start in the order of which we predict games on this podcast. Maybe that will be the mojo change. Uh, th- this game, in my opinion, um, it's not going to be pretty. I don't think it's going to be a great football game to watch. If you're not a TCU or a Texas Tech fan, you're probably not going to be glued to the TV screen the whole entire time. Even some TCU and Texas Tech fans will be glued the entire time. Um, But I think this is a game where if TCU can just stay true to who they were in the first half of the season in terms of just getting Amani Bailey going, taking your deep shots when they're there, and feeding Jared Wiley. If if Jared Wiley's not getting touches, we still need to be able to win this game because I want it to be because they're devoting so much time to him as opposed to where it's not getting him the ball. So you... Attempt to get Wiley involved, you keep Imani Bailey involved in the game because Tech will allow, allow rushing yards. I believe Imani Bailey's rushing total is 80 yards, roughly around there. I'm taking that over. Um, I think TCU does win this game, even though we're three-point dogs. I'm going to go with the Horn Frogs to win 38-28 out in West Texas.
1: That's a two-score game right there. TCU wins a game by two scores. Everybody's going to be leaving that place happy. Lubbock at night is tough. Lubbock on a Thursday night typically hasn't gone well for TC. Last time we went out there was 2013. The iconic Brandon Carter didn't call fair catch. They go to a review and decide when he's getting his balance and his arms remain below his waist, that they, it is a fair catch, terrible officiating, but it's our first trip back out there. And now it's 10 years after that fact. So we aren't going to be too concerned with that being said. I think that it is very important in this game that TCU wins the special teams battle. Texas Tech is very good in the return game, especially on punt return. They've had a lot of success this year. I think it's important we keep that bottled up as much as we can and force them, again, as I said, long fields to play with and get them off the field. And frankly, another thing about them, Texas Tech gives up a lot of explosive plays. Texas Tech is a team that really people are talking about a lot before the season. And this, in my mind, is our chance to put a dagger into their season. I think we got to do that early and often. I think we do do it, too, coming off of a bye week. I think Sonny Dykes realizes that this is sort of his moment to get this group right and try to make something out of what's left in this season. I think Josh Hoover plays well knowing this. I think Josh Hoover throws for over 300 yards. I think that's my hot take for the week. And you know what? I think we also win this game. But I don't think we win it by multiple scores. I think we only win it by four. I think we win this game, 38
0: 34 TCU 38-34. So we're both taking TC to score exactly 38 points. I don't know our team total, but it seems like we should be taking that. Um, really quick before we dive into the frog pod picks of the week, which turns into frog pod parlay, Brett McMurphy just tweeted the college football rankings were released tonight, uh, right before we just started recording with Kansas first ranking tonight. Only five current P five teams have never been ranked in a college football playoff. Top 25 rankings. Those teams are Cal Maryland, Rutgers, Vanderbilt, and Texas Tech. How about that, Alan? Texas Tech is the only Uh, big team to have never been ranked in the CFP top 25. That's, I mean, yeah, that's
1: crazy. That's crazy, man. I I feel bad for them, honestly. I feel bad for Texas Tech with what what they've had to deal with. Frankly, they've done it to themselves. It's their own fault, but I feel bad for them. It's, It's terrible to be living out there dealing with tumbleweeds and dust storms and not even have a ranked football team. But, you know, uh, my thoughts are with them. And you know what? Hopefully we go out there and just show them why we choose to live in civilization nowadays.
0: It's crazy to to me. That's such a a recruiting tactic. It's like, like, okay, TCU has won a playoff game. Texas Tech has never even been ranked by the committee that picked TCU to be in the playoff. That's just hilarious to me, but I digress. Let's hope the Frogs get a win on Saturday. Let's also hope the Frog Pod picks get their first sweep in history. Alan, this has been a true roller coaster of a season for the Frogs and the Frog Pod parlay. We, let's start off with the lock of the week. The lock, the lock of the week's have a pretty high success rate, pretty high clip. Hopefully, this one's a winner too. What's the lock of the week? Uh, we're, going, we're staying in the league we know best. We're
1: staying in the Big 12 here. We are staying with two teams that are traditionally basketball schools, actually. But I'm pretty good football seasons. Both, I would say, definitely overachieving. And that is Kansas and Iowa State. But we're going to take the under here. These are two teams playing a game in Ames, Iowa. And the total here is actually higher than the total in the Texas-Kansas State game. That Texas-Kansas State total is fifty and a half. and a half. The total in this Kansas-Iowa State game, 54. Give me the under in this contest. I think both teams run the ball a majority of the time. I think it looks like Jason Bean will be going for Kansas in this game. Iowa State's defense has been pretty solid. The crowd in Ames should be able to control, you know, Kansas from really just going off to the races with their run game like they have this year. I'm going to go with the under. We're going to go with the under as a lock of the week. Kansas, Iowa
0: State, under 54. Love the pick. And the logic here that you presented, Iowa State's favorite, minus two and a half. So if this this game leans Iowa, if, if it goes Iowa State's way, if Iowa State's going to win this game based on how they play football, the under should have hit. Um, so that's also just kind of a logic play uh, that we sometimes like to do here on the Frog Pod Parlay. Uh, my first pick of the week is actually the team that was just ranked the number one team in the country, according to the playoff committee. I do not agree with that ranking, but I do think this is one of the best teams in college football. Um, I'm going to go with the Ohio state Buckeyes going on the road to Rutgers last weekend. They went on the road to Wisconsin and narrowly squeaked out Not I wouldn't say narrowly because it was, they kind of had control, but the offense couldn't get going. They won by 14 against Wisconsin, you know, Wisconsin, they, their crowd was better. They, their best player, Braylon Allen couldn't get going, got hurt. And they kind of kept it within constraints. Wisconsin's a lot more talented than Rutgers. Camp Randall is a lot harder place to play than whatever the name of Rutgers Stadium is. I don't know. Don't need to know. It doesn't matter. It's not a hostile environment by any stretch of the imagination. Um, there's no one on Rutgers that scares me at all. I can't tell you the exact history of how Rutgers has fair against Ohio State since I've joined the Big Ten, but I can guarantee you that the average margin of victory is a lot better than 18 and a half points. Give me the Buckeyes big. I got Ohio State all the way up to minus 24 and a half.
1: Wow, six points. Okay, uh, that, that's interesting that your metrics take you there. Uh, I'm actually going to choose my next pick as uh, we are going to go into a hostile environment. We're going to the Snake Pit. And if you don't know about the Snake Pit, it is in College Park, Maryland. And Maryland is hosting Penn State this week. Maryland's actually a pretty good team. Maryland was tied in the horseshoe against the Ohio State team you're picking for a half in that game, and I think Maryland's going to be having a lot more stamina in their home contest playing on their home turf. They're playing a Penn State team this weekend that really hasn't been inspiring too much confidence, to say the least, in their last couple games, and I think Maryland's going to be able to keep this thing close. Spreads at ten. I don't really think that that really is a true indictment of where this game will be played. I think it's going to be played within about a score most of the way. I think Maryland has a chance to win the game outright, but for the pick, give me Maryland
0: plus 10. There we go. I hate to backtrack out. I really do. Um, the smallest margin of victory that Ohio State has ever had versus Rutgers, 49-27 back in 2020. 22 points is the closest matchup between these two. Ohio State's average points in these games, 53. Just a little tidbit. But I like that. See, I don't. I like the pick, but I also don't because I have my lock of the millennium in the preseason was Penn State. Uh, over nine and a half wins, and this is a game that I'm very scared for. Maryland did lose last week to uh, Northwestern, I believe. Uh, they're coming off three straight losses. I can tell you that for sure. As we are starting five and zero, and this is just a prime spot for well, they might not win outright. I think they could. Um, it could get interesting there. Um, but in, in totality, I really think that this Penn State team just isn't there and they're, gonna, they're not going to be there until they play Michigan, or if we even find out if they're, how they're going to be versus Michigan, this is a game where Maryland could easily sneak up on them and make it a game. I think it's going to be a great game because Talia Tokovailoa, honestly, outside JJ McCarthy, ugh, might be the best quarterback in that conference. Um, and Mike Loxley needs a signature win under his belt uh, in his tenure there, so I do like to pick. My next one, I'm going with Mario Cristobal in his team, uh, to cover this weekend, they are minus four and a half currently, I believe, is what we're getting them at. Yes, minus four and a half at NC State. NC State already had a big win last week versus Clemson. This Miami team is better than Clemson. Uh, I truly wholeheartedly believe that. I like Mario Cristobal on this team all the way up to minus six and a half. Uh, Miami's been a weird team this year. They had a big win versus a They've had... You know some bumps in the road uh they still are alive for the ACC championship I don't think they get there I think Louisville versus Florida states could be the matchup but I just don't see NC State having two good wins in a row give me give me the hurricanes to cover four and a half
1: yeah no I really like Miami here I think Miami this is a game for them when they can really expose show their will and just beat up on an NC State team uh my final pick i we thought about what we were going to do here i even weighed flanagan's opinion on this and you know what i decided to just go with what i think is going to happen and i'm just going to choose nebraska plus three against michigan state uh correction minus three against michigan state right, Nebraska favored. I I yeah yeah if you gave me plus three yeah, I no I, if you gave me plus three i take it every day of the week we're taking yeah. minus three every day of the week as well but here's the thing michigan state's bad it's sad they're on to basketball in east lansing they don't care Th- this is the dagger for them. Nebraska, well, Nebraska, they, they could make the Big Ten. They could go into that game against Iowa as the Big Ten West championship game. Oh, that please. is not out of their own possibility for a team that lost uh, Colorado and Minnesota to start the season. It could very easily happen. It's an 11 a.m. game. I don't think the road really is going to impact this Nebraska team too much, and I think Nebraska is good enough to win this game by two to three scores after beating up on Purdue last week as a narrow favorite. I like them as a narrow favorite here. Nebraska, minus three.
0: It, it is insane, absolutely insane, that Nebraska currently – there's a four-way tie for the lead in the big 10 West, Iowa, Minnesota, Nebraska, and Wisconsin are all three and two and watch out for the fighting Northwestern wildcats, Grayson Mets and the wildcats or a win against Iowa away from also potentially vaulting themselves in the conversations of being the big 10 championship. I mean, I grew up in Chicago. I live in big 10 country. I, I have more people who agree with me on this. The worst part about Chicago, it's not the corrupt politicians. It's not the gun violence, and it's not the terrible winters. It is the delusion of Big Ten football fans that ruin this city. And the fact that this is what we have to deal with is an issue. Iowa's offensive coordinator resigned, and they are in the lead in the Big Ten West, Allad, <laughs> This is ridiculous. Iowa, it is almost November, and Iowa has scored 71 points. SMU almost scored 71 points against Tulsa last weekend, Alan.
1: Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, I will say the level of football up here, it's not how the game is meant to be played in the 21st century. It's one of those things that you just kind of like, you know, let them do their thing. And these teams never do anything. The best Iowa team ever lost to Christian McCaffrey by a million. So at the end of the day, these teams don't play the right type of football. There's a right way to do things. There's a wrong way to do things. I tend to think we do it right.
0: Yeah, I and mean, every year you're going to be good, but I mean, not as good as you'd like to be, but whatever. Um, I actually do think Nebraska is a pretty underrated team, Um, excuse me, underrated program going forward. I think Matt Rule, you give him, it won't be next season, but watch out for them in 2025 and beyond. I think that he can get Nebraska back to a very relevant level. And Nebraska fans, we didn't mention this in the pick, Nebraska is going to have a good chunk of that East Lansing stadium. This fan base travels. I've heard East Lansing is a great destination spot in the state of Michigan. So Nebraska fans are probably going to make that trip out there. They have a good base in uh, Southeastern Michigan. So I, I could see definitely Nebraska fans kind of neutralizing that home field advantage. Love Nebraska minus three. All right, Alan, let's see what this weekend goes. I mean, the weekend starts early that's either could be a good thing for us or a bad thing for us but regardless our saturdays won't be um heavily impacted by what could happen on the football field
1: yeah exactly uh my only big shout out hopefully i'm not watching baseball this weekend because the rangers take care of business by saturday so hopefully that happens shout out texas rangers shout out halloween uh shout out TCU women's soccer. Hopefully getting into the women's soccer tournament. Tough loss last night. Uh, yeah. Shout out TCU.
0: Yes. All right. Um that that brings it to an end here. I'd like to thank you guys all for listening. We apologize for not announcing anything last week. Please stay sure to follow us on social media. Um, yeah, I've started a new job. In defense distribution area, Alan is studying uh, for his accounting test next week. So please bear with us in these times. We're going to be all in on TCU basketball season. It doesn't matter how many orders the United States government needs from my company or how many taxes Alan needs to get done. We're going to deliver you top-notch TCU basketball content this year. The Frogs are going to be good. We're very high on the Frogs. We're very bullish on what this team could do. We we like what Jamie Dixon's got. So we're going to give you a season preview, likely not next week, but the week after that, kind of week two, week three of the season. We'll break down the team, what we can expect, college basketball in general. Um, and then, you know, we'll get into a more regular routine. We'll be announcing that once it's finalized. But thank you guys as always for listening. Make sure to follow us on social media i like to thank Owen, our graphics designer, Jamison Mullen, our director of content, Nicholas Capasso, our superfan producer Slosh Nagel, executive producer Will Velvin, and all of you for listening. Always remember to make every day your best day. And go Frogs.